Welcome to this podcast on family and work. This is Mark Dean. This podcast is part of a series for the Back to Business program. Today, we're focusing on tools to help you as a parent, including new and expecting, but also parents throughout the ages. So the challenges of juggling work roles and raising children can be daunting, but we know it can be done. And some approaches are more successful and less stressful than others. So we know that trying to be a perfect parent is not a realistic goal. But aiming to be a positive parent can have some really lasting benefits for the family as a whole and can alleviate some of the potential internalised issues that relate to questions like, am I doing a good job or am I staying engaged at work? Am I going to make this work? So this podcast looks at the things that really matter in raising healthy, happy kids, what to let go of, recruiting extra support when you need it. It also introduces some important aspects of balancing personal and professional lives, which we all need from time to time. Now I'd like to welcome Dr. Andrew Stock. Andrew is a family and positive psychologist, and he works with a lot of executives in Australia and overseas. Andrew's also got some special perspectives as a father himself and someone who works offshore, onshore regularly and spends every couple of weeks away from his family. So welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. So Andrew, really like to get started on this question of this modern notion of balance and how new and expecting parents' experiences might differ from what we might have expected in the past, in previous generations. So can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that? What's it all about nowadays? If we look back to, to the 1970s, where they really started doing some research into this stuff, and they compared it to today, the primary caregiver is actually doing the same amount of work with being a, a parent uh, as they were back when they were a full-time parent without working back in the 1970s. So there is a lot more time pressure and a lot more of a challenge of balancing looking after your own physical and mental health, obviously making sure that you're spending quality time with your children and with your partner and with other significant others, and also making sure to stay connected to the point that it's needed with your workplace and colleagues. What are some of the insights that you've learned from the people you advise and perhaps some of your counselling patients that you found helpful in managing some of those mindset-based stressors of working hard and being away from your family a lot and also wanting to be a good parent? I think first and foremost, and this is the work I do with a lot of young families is establishing and being quite aware of your values, being aware of what's most important to you, what's the most important to you as a, as a family, and then reminding yourself of that, those things often either just through discussion with, with a partner or a co-parent or with young children, with other people at work as you negotiate how to best live according to those values. And then on the other side of the coin is making sure you're doing the things to take care of yourself, your mental health, so that you can live according to those values when stresses creep in, when things get a little bit difficult more than ever. We need to be taking care of our mental health, to be um, taking care of our physical health, to be looking after our sleep. Sleep is a tremendous challenge across the globe. You really have to prioritize it even more when you find yourself busy. It's easy to let it slip, but in those situations, I find it's even more important to prioritize those things so you can make sure when you get home that you're in the right headspace to be able to connect with your family. Andrew, getting to know what you value and thinking about what's important to you would be something that is great for parents throughout the ages. Do you have any particular tips or advice for new and expecting parents on some of the types of anxieties they might experience and tools that you'd suggest would be helpful? It's built into us that 
things that are new, things that are different, things that are challenging will be a, a source of, of some level of anxiety. So anxiety is not necessarily the enemy here. And we don't want to make it the enemy. We want to definitely have an awareness of it. We want to uh, be able to talk to others and be open about how we're feeling and then be able to respond to that anxiety in a way that doesn't struggle against it. We don't want to end up becoming anxious about our anxiety. Instead, it's much healthier if we can open up to it, if we can recognize it, and then if we can pivot towards spending our energy on on connecting with others and engaging activities that we know give us the energy and the foundation, the grounding, you might say, to be able to deal with the anxiousness. And, you know, in, in particular, parents are worried about if they're going to get it right. I know I certainly was. I was worried becoming a new father and I'm still learning as I go. But just that spirit of openness, willingness to get involved and last but not least, a healthy dose of self-compassion because it is a, a challenging role and uh, it's important that you go easy on yourself so that you can keep coming back uh, and responding to these challenges. Accepting some of the anxieties that come with being a parent rather than trying to avoid them or just reject them? It's something that actually we can learn from our, our young children. When you're around an infant or a, or a toddler, they will let you know how they're feeling. They'll experience their emotions and they'll go to that place and, and they haven't yet developed that inner voice that says, don't feel this way. That is important for us adults in certain scenarios. Absolutely, at work, it might not always be, or in certain social situations, it might be the most uh, appropriate place to, to wear your heart on your sleeve. Finding safe people, people that you trust and connect with to be honest and open and vulnerable with is something that we want to be able to provide to our own children, of course. And so we better make sure that we model it by, by doing likewise. If you're on parental leave or even when you're perhaps back at work and working hard and juggling parenting as well, what sort of tips and advice would you have for parents on that front? If you're about to go on parental leave, that the number one thing that can serve you well is a level of flexibility where recognizing that you might not be able to engage in the, the, the typical social events and opportunities that you did at work. We all find it easier to connect with people that were just around because of the environment that we're in, our work colleagues, when we were at school, obviously. So that proximity really helps. When that's taken away, increased flexibility is, is important and also a healthy dose of willingness to, to step out and, and try to engage with friends maybe in similar situations. So my wife and I went to sort of a baby preparation class and met some other couples that were in the exact same situation as us. And obviously you can connect quite well with people who are experiencing some of the same challenges that you are. So that plus finding little opportunities perhaps to maybe have a drink or, or some food with your work colleagues on the weekends different times because we're social creatures and that social connectedness really helps ground us and is a real boost for our mental and emotional health by staying connected by being willing to go out and to connect it we're doing ourselves a favor we're doing our families a favor any tips there in terms of the quality of those relationships i mean would you get down into well who are the most positive people i know who are the most supportive people i know well there's a quality piece and i'm 
I'm speaking more directly to expecting mothers at this point. There's also times during the pregnancy where you might likely be struggling with energy uh, and with different sort of challenges that come as your body changes. And so you might not have the you know capacity to connect with people as regularly or as much as you normally would. And so, yeah, picking the people that mean the most to you uh, is certainly a wise move when you've got other things taking up your time and your capacity. If you do have a partner, expecting co-parent, spending time with them is obviously important as you work together towards preparing for this uh, reality and for the challenges that arise. But also talking to them about encouraging each other to stay connected, whether that's with mutual friends or, or, or friends that you would just catch up with without your other half, just gently reminding and encouraging each other along those lines, maybe arranging so that the other half feels as though they've got the capacity and the availability to be able to do that. I think that uh, family is a, is another big one. And so the family members that are obviously part of your life, you can certainly connect with quite often for expecting grandparents. It can be a very exciting time where they're, they're wanting to help and make your life a little bit easier. You know, And so whether it's your, your nuclear family or your extended family, connecting with them I think is is important. What other types of connections uh, would people be seeking if they're taking a healthy approach? What about outside of work and outside of parenting groups? Any other tips or advice? Now, social media needs to be used with care, and that's a topic for another podcast. However, I think it's worth noting that technology can really be helpful. You can connect with family in other parts of the world. One of the things that I do to stay connected with my family when I'm in Hong Kong and they're not is to yeah use uh, online video calls to really connect with family and and I get to connect with my son in a way and in a way that I would really struggle to otherwise so finding your network and then finding flexible and creative ways to connect with them is really key of course asking for help and support when you need it is also a really helpful way of reinforcing some of those positive supportive connections because a lot of people do actually get great meaning and purpose out of knowing that they can help when you need it. So what about the actual parenting process itself, Andrew, in terms of identifying what kids really need versus what they want or what you may want for them? Any tips or advice for new or expecting parents? Absolutely. And in some ways, there's, there's principles that go across the developmental stages and ages for young children. That connection is key. From the moment children are born, they look to connect eye to eye with their mum and their dad and any other sort of significant primary caregivers. And so the needs that are there, some of them we're working for. You know, obviously, we need to be able to pay the bills, have a place to live, have food on the table, those sorts of things. Pretty much alongside those needs for for a young human is that connectedness as well. And that's something that we've really created a huge amount of research around in the past decades is how important that attachment to primary caregivers is. So apart from the basic needs that we're all aware of, it's that connection that can be made through really healthy and loving touch, through eye contact, through play, if you're talking about a really young child, obviously you can uh, speak with them, sing to them, those types of things. My son is almost two, and so I'm spending a lot of time playing with him. He's exploring the world, he's trying new things, he's learning through trial and error. And so sometimes some patience is required as well. Because I would say the other thing that's very important for children's development and for a healthy household is that there's a general sense of, of calm and emotional regulation where it's a safe emotional and psychological space to be able to explore and grow and develop together. Sometimes get it wrong. Sometimes learn, you know, the hard way <laughs> as my son does when he goes face first off the side of the sofa. But overall, finding times for that 
for that connection in a welcoming and generally positive environment is is really key and what kids need. I don't have anything against toys. They are wonderful in their own right, but they are secondary to those primary things. And sometimes in an effort to try to ensure those secondary considerations, we can sometimes take away from the energy needed to really make sure we're ensuring that the primary needs are met. There are far more important things for, for children to be engaging in uh, for their overall health and development. And so, yeah, it's just about gently remembering that and what's most important. Great advice, Andrew. So you kind of need to look after yourself, don't you, through all of this? What are some tips that you have that might be helpful for parents throughout the ages on activating some self-care? I talk to parents about healthy sleep. It's almost a bit of a paradox because when that baby arrives, your sleep is going to be affected. And I was reading some research recently that suggests that it's up to the first six years of your child's life that you'll experience challenges with your sleep. I can speak to that personally. It is a challenge and I'm very lucky that I have a, a loving partner and we can, we can work on that together. I just have infinite amount of respect for single parents who have to deal with those challenges on their own. As best you can, trying to prioritize your sleep. We all know what happens when you're watching your favorite Netflix show and that next episode just starts loading itself up before you've had the chance to decide what you're going to do. And so it's in those moments when maybe deciding, you know what, I should really go to bed because I know that I'm probably going to be up a couple of times tonight already to try to get as much sleep as you can. And so sleep is an important one. Uh, you mentioned physical health. So we know that the other major factors there are diet. So trying to maintain a healthy diet uh, and exercise moving every day. Now that needs to be done carefully for new mothers, obviously, as they recover from, from the birth experience. Overall, if you're finding nice, gentle ways to exercise most days, if not every day, to follow those recommendations that we have, physical health and mental health really are inseparable. And it's better to think of them together instead of apart. Just a gentle yet persistent commitment to looking after your, your physical health. And then when it comes to mental health, we've spoken a little bit already about acceptance as a really healthy way to respond to, to difficult mental health issues and challenges. And so that falls very closely in line with mindfulness and mindfulness practices, be that meditation, perhaps walking meditation, just getting out into nature when you can. Making a, a real ritual is something that can really help our mental health. And if you really are looking after your health and your mental health and you still get the sense that things aren't right, that you're actually not okay, that you're struggling, then at that point, it's probably time to seek some professional help and check in with someone who can send you in the right direction in terms of getting the support that you need. What happens when there are big milestones happening in your life generally or as a parent and think about, you know, sending your kids off to daycare and will they be okay? Or I feel guilty. My teenager, what if they make the wrong decisions? Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences with this and perhaps a few tips if people are getting stuck in a ruminating thought cycle? The vast majority of the families that I work with are in a transition period. I think that speaks to just how challenging it can be when you are doing those big transitions. Recognizing that and again, trying not to blame yourself to feel like it's your fault are some common thoughts and feelings that, are, that arise and responding to them healthily is really important. And on the individual level, so many of the thoughts uh, and expectations that we have for ourselves, we didn't come up with ourselves. We learned them from other family members, from friends, from 
from social media, society. And so recognizing that some of the time when those difficult thought patterns arise, that they're not necessarily ours to own and ours to identify with. And just being able to step back from them of investing in this, or am I going to turn off this road and instead dedicate my time and energy to what's important to me right now, whether that's Spending time with your friends, maybe reconnecting with family who you haven't spoken with for a while. Just recognizing when you're getting on that same old road, making a decision to to not invest further in that can be easier said than done sometimes. And so again, sometimes talking to a mental health professional about some other ways that you can get off that road. But at the end of the day, that's probably the best empirically supported approach we have to dealing with rumination and those sorts of difficult thought patterns. This circles us back to talking about value recognizing what's most important for us and then reflect on and recognize those things in our daily life we can do things like noting down what we're grateful for you know because at the end of the day very rarely will you jot down that you're grateful that you got half of the green lights on the way home and it made your travel time five minutes early relationships things that we really celebrate uh, within our our closest circles just taking the time to to be grateful for those things really re-establishes and, and reprioritizes those things that we know that we value the most and it just also happens to generate positive mood and good mental health and so it's it's a win-win i think that fits perfectly with what we were saying earlier around shifting and pivoting your mind towards what matters when you find yourself in that self-critical difficult headspace it's also important at that moment to gently notice that's where you are and say oh here i am on this same old road wonder how i got there so a more curious, more non-judgmental uh, stance towards that makes it a whole lot easier to then turn towards utilizing that headspace and that mental energy towards being grateful and recognizing what's most important. Each day presents often new challenges. And so I've mentioned flexibility a lot. The interesting thing is that our kids are great at this. They are open and willing and curious. And so we can learn a lot from our kids as well. It's a great time as an adult to be reminded of that childlike wonder and openness curiosity that can really transform the way that you experience your daily life. And last but not least, you're taking care of yourself with the basics, with your, your physical health, diet, sleep, exercise as best you can, and also your mental health. Dr. Andrew Stock, thank you for joining us today and Sage, words of advice. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Coming back to work if you've been on parental leave can be really difficult, or if you're about to go on leave, it's also worthwhile picking up on some of these tools that can help build your confidence and your optimism. There are lots of really neat models out there that help us to prioritise. You might like to look at this one. It's called the Eisenhower model, as in the former president of the United States, Eisenhower, for self expectation management and for prioritizing and this is often called the four d's model if there is something that's really urgent and you make this list it's urgent and it's important that i do it then i do it now if it's important that i do it personally but it's not urgent then i can defer it so that's the second d in this model and then the third quadrant is it's not really that important that i do it but it is relatively urgent and then that might be something you can delegate to someone upwards, downwards, sideways. And then finally, and this is very empowering, make a list of those things that are not important that you do and they're not urgent 
and question, can I actually ditch them? How many times do you go through processes where at the end of a period of time, you come back to something that was on your list and you think, gosh, that isn't even relevant now. So this is a really neat model. Do have a look at that. Google the Eisenhower model. You might want to print it out and also have a chat with your colleagues about it. Perhaps use it in conversations with your manager. Extremely helpful from a coaching point of view to sit down and say, could we have a go at prioritizing, having a closer look at what's due when and how important it is and whether I really need to do it. And uh, that also brings me to this importance of proactively managing and adjusting where required your expectations. And you might like to talk to your manager about that, maybe a member of the HR team or the employee assistance program to talk about some healthy, assertive, but respectful ways of setting some boundaries when you need to. And one of my favorite ones is just don't commit to things when you're not sure. So rather than saying, yes, I have to say yes, otherwise, and you have these unhelpful and probably totally inaccurate thoughts, otherwise people will think that I'm not on the ball. Actually, it takes quite a bit of courage, but is is helpful and people tend to respect you for it when you say, look, I understand this is what you're looking for. Can I have a think about that in the context of some of my other priorities and get back to you? Or perhaps we can talk about some of those other priorities because I'm a little bit concerned about being able to get all of these things done. So finally, let's just have a quick recap on the importance of self-care. And I often think about this in terms of what they say on airlines, fit your own oxygen mask before you fit your child's. So it's really important that in order to be of service to your kids and to be a positive influence as a parent and as a colleague at work, that you look after yourself. So exercise, nutrition and sleep, as well as potentially regular naps throughout the day and uh, other techniques like yoga have been proven to really help in reducing our stress levels and even reducing some of the stress hormones that often spike when we're feeling a little bit wired or stressed out and reframing our unhelpful thoughts and often just focusing on and accepting those thoughts uh, as part of being a human being is a great start. And if I focus on some of the things that are going well, which sounds a little bit like gratitude, I can also build up my belief system based on the evidence from the past that things can go well in the future. And so recognizing the little things you're achieving every day will go a long way towards maintaining some balance. Finally, it is really important that if you are struggling or you need someone to talk to, that you get some professional advice. Talking to your GP, a psychologist or counsellor, or the Employee Assistance Program is a great place to start. Well, thank you for joining us for this podcast, and bye for now. Thank you.